beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. When God's people would bring sacrifices in the Old Testament, one of the things that was happening was identification between the person making the sacrifice and the sacrifice itself. And that identification between the worshiper and the sacrificial animal was shown in a bunch of ways. One of the ways was that in some sacrifices, the the person would actually put their hands on the head of the animal. And one of the things that this indicated was your life for mine. Your death is my death. I am acceptable in God's presence because of your shed blood. It should be my blood which is being shed, but you're substituting for me. Just like this morning we read about that ram caught in the thickets which substituted for Isaac. And the sacrificial meal, which often went with many of the sacrifices in the Old Testament, was a fellowship meal. It was a time of sitting down together with fellow believers in the presence of God, enjoying communion with God, communion with each other. And in a very small way, it was a taste of the reversal of the death and destruction and the curse which twisted the very nature of reality at the fall. You remember from Genesis chapter 3 that when Adam and Eve fell, all the relationships were broken and twisted and separated with God, with each other. So these sacrifices spoke of blood being poured out to restore and to reconcile. It was very limited, though. And as we paid attention to this morning, the fact that the sacrifices had to happen day by day, week by week, year by year, and never got to doing what they were meant to do, they were never enough pointed to the need for the sacrifice. And in Lord's Day 28, we confess what the Bible teaches about the sacrifice. How does the Lord's Supper signify and seal to you that you share in Christ's one sacrifice? Christ's once for all sacrifice on the cross and in all his gifts. See, this sacrifice was different. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he didn't just die and shed his blood. But this sacrifice is the first sacrifice in all of the history of redemption who three days later just got right back up and was alive again. And Peter speaks about that in his sermon on Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Death could not hold him. He rose from the dead on the third day. The Lord's Supper declares that there is an identification between us and the sacrifice to end all sacrifices. There is a deep and fundamental unity between you and the Lamb of God. You, believer, you share in Him. You share not only in His death, but you share in His resurrection and in His life. 
Now we confess that Christ has commanded me and all believers to eat of this broken bread and drink of this cup. Notice what we say here, what we confess. Christ commanded me and all believers. Remember that the sacraments have everything to do with faith. If there's no faith, then the sacraments are just empty rituals. Sacraments strengthen faith. Sacraments call for faith. Christ didn't command me and all good people to take the sacrament. Christ didn't command me and all sinless people to take the sacrament. Christ didn't say that me and all worthy people should take the sacrament. Who should take the sacrament? I and all believers. Just people who believe that they're sinners, that they're lost in themselves, and that they need the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who the sacrament is for. Now, our catechism loves confessing the truths of scriptures in a really intimate and personal way. It's, it's profoundly personal in the context of covenantal communion. Me and all believers, we've been commanded to eat and to drink. It reminds us of the words of the Apostle Paul. You are the body of Christ, he says, and individually members of it. At the end of this Lord's Day in question and answer 77, right at the end, Paul is quoted and he speaks about participation in the blood and in the body of Christ. And then he says, because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. And that's why the church historically makes sure that the sacrament is celebrated in the congregation. Pastor doesn't go around from house to house giving people little bits of bread in their mouths. But it's done in a public worship service. That's part of it. Now we confess that Christ has commanded us to do it. And that's important to just stop for a moment and think about. You see, there are lots of ways that people invent to bring Christ close to us, to, to mediate Christ's presence. The medieval church, the church before the time of the Reformation, came up with seven sacraments, seven ways to, to hook into the power of the grace of God. And today, 500 years after the Reformation, it's not just the Roman church that continues to make up ways, but lots of Protestant and evangelical churches love to get creative, to find ways for people to experience Jesus. And often these, these attempts are very sincere, and sometimes they're really cool, the things they come up with. But look what we confess. Christ has commanded. God says this is the way things are. This is the way to do things. And if we remember anything from the sermons on Genesis, we remember this, that it's not a good idea to go following our own, our own imaginations. 
we have learned anything, we need to have learned, just listen to God. Don't think we know better than him, because that has gone very, very wrong. If you look at the Belgian Confession, Article 32, I just want to turn there very quickly. The Belgian Confession, Article 32, which is just before the Heidelberg Catechism. It's a very short article. And it says, We believe that although it is useful and good for those who govern the church to establish a certain order to maintain the body of the church, they must at all times watch that they do not deviate from what Christ, our only master, has commanded. Lord Jesus is head of the church. He calls the shots. He tells us how things are and where things are at. Therefore, we reject all human inventions and laws introduced into the worship of God, which bind and compel the consciences in any way. Now, Christ has commanded us to do what? He's commanded us to eat and to drink the bread and the cup. And he connected promises to this. And he's connected, he's attached deep meaning to the sacrament. And I'm going to jump in right to the end of question and answer 76, and I'm going to go right away to the very deepest level of meaning in the supper. A lot of things happen in the supper. It's a deep, deep mystery. But as we look at the end of question and answer 76, we see some language which we recognize from our readings in the first chapters in Genesis. We read about that we are the flesh of his flesh and bone of his bones. That's wedding language, isn't it? We read that in Genesis chapter 2 when Adam sees Eve for the first time. And he says, wow, finally, someone who is like me, someone who is complementary. We fit together. We belong together. Flesh of my flesh, bone of my bones. He rejoices. It's the language of the first wedding song. And the catechism uses wedding language to talk about our connection with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a biblical metaphor. It's a biblical picture that we are the body of Christ, that he is the head, that Jesus Christ is the bridegroom, that we are the bride, that we are so united that we are one flesh. There is a glorious and a deep and abiding union and communion of love between Jesus and his church. Union means life. Separation of head and body means death. One of the things that the Bible teaches and we confess is that that means that that the spirit who lives in Christ is living in us. Now think about that for a moment. Just try to process that. In your head and in your body, they're connected. And there is there's one soul which animates the whole person. And the Bible teaches us that Jesus Christ, our head... And the church, his body, in like manner, have one spirit. 
The Lord Jesus is up there in heaven at the right hand of God. And the Holy Spirit, who is in him, is right now also in each member of the body here and in the whole church combined. So what sin has broken, the Lord Jesus restores. We are united, we're connected, we're in communion with God. Now why would the catechism be using wedding language in question answer 76? Well, because amongst many other things, the, the Holy Supper is like a rehearsal dinner for the wedding feast. You remember the form that we read this morning at the very end, just before we took the supper, the form says, let us rejoice and give God the glory for the marriage feast of the Lamb is coming. You see, in baptism, the Lord Jesus comes to us and he puts a ring on our finger and he, he promises himself to us and he says, I belong to you and you belong to me. And then in, in the Lord's Supper, the Lord Jesus embraces his bride, the church, and she drinks in his love, which is better than life itself. That's what we sang about in Psalm 63. In the supper, we see a little picture of what we read about in Song of Songs, chapter 2, where it says, He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. The supper is a little taste of the eternal wedding feast to celebrate the Lord Jesus and his bride the church. So what's going on at the Lord's Supper? Well, we are eating and drinking the body and blood of Christ. Now, what, is, what in the world does that mean? We read from John chapter 6. And as we read through the section of that chapter, we notice that at the beginning of the chapter, the Lord Jesus says, I'm the bread of life, and he calls on people to believe, and he says, when you believe in me, then you will have eternal life. And then at the end of our reading, he was saying things like, if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, then you will have eternal life. You will live forever. And that's why, because he makes an equal sign between believing and eating his flesh and drinking his blood. That's why question answer 76 starts its answer the way it does. What does it mean to eat the crucified body of Christ, to drink his shed blood? Well, it means to accept with a believing heart. It means to believe that all the suffering and the death of Christ is also for me. And so to receive forgiveness of sins and life eternal. What is it to eat the flesh and to drink the blood of Jesus? It is to believe that Jesus is my life. And that's not just an abstract theological declaration, but it's a real thing. It's something real. In the Lord's Supper, something happens. The Belgian Confession in Article 35 speaks about faith as a hand and mouth of our souls. And I just want to turn again to the Belgic because it puts it so beautifully 
when it speaks about the Lord's Supper. Article 35 this time. Just hear the echoes of the Catechism's teaching here. Article 35, the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. We believe and confess that our Savior, Jesus Christ, has instituted the sacrament of the Holy Supper to nourish and sustain those whom he has already regenerated and incorporated into his family, which is his church. Those who are born anew have a twofold life. One is physical and temporal, which they received in their first birth and is common to all men. The other is spiritual and heavenly, which is given them in their second birth and is affected by the word of the gospel in the communion of the body of Christ. This life is not common to all, but only to the elect of God. For the support of the physical and earthly life, God has ordained earthly and material bread. This bread is common to all, just as life is common to all. For the support of the spiritual and heavenly life, which believers have, he has sent them a living bread, which came down from heaven, namely Jesus Christ, who nourishes and sustains the spiritual life of the believers when he is eaten by them, that is, spiritually appropriated and received by faith. To represent to us the spiritual and heavenly bread, Christ has instituted earthly and visible bread as a sacrament of his body and wine as a sacrament of his blood. He testifies to us that as certainly as we take and hold the sacrament in our hands and eat and drink it with our mouths, by which our physical life is then sustained, so certainly do we receive by faith as the hand and mouth of our soul the true body and true blood of Christ, our only Savior in our souls for our spiritual life. So what happened? What happened this morning? Something happened. Life and love and grace flowed from Jesus Christ into our souls and our lives. Didn't come from the bread. Didn't come from the wine. It came from him. Something happened this morning. The Lord Jesus came to his bride, gathered here in St. Albert, and said, I love you. He embraced us with his love. He said, I have always loved you. From eternity, I have loved you. From before the foundation of the world, I have loved you. And my love for you will never fail. It is not conditional. It is eternal. And how we need to hear that. Because we know who we are, don't we? We are faithless. We're filthy with our sins. We spend all week flirting with our idols, with lust and addictions and selfishness and greed and resentment and laziness and negligence, looking for life in all the wrong places. That's often us. Drinking spiritual Drano, which is killing our souls. And by rights, the Lord Jesus should take one look at us, a whole bunch of sinners gathered together, and he should say, get lost. What are you doing here? When we come into the presence of our holy God, our holy bridegroom, then all we can say is, oh, Lord Jesus, we are not worthy. We don't deserve you. How can you even look upon us? 
Yet in the sacrament, the Lord Jesus embraces us with his love. And he says, shh, my love, my blood has washed away your shame. My death is your death. My payment is your payment. There is no condemnation. It is all paid for. It is all gone. My life is your life. It is no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. And then we said, Lord, that sounds really good. But how do I know it's true? The Lord Jesus says, my child, open your eyes. See the bread broken. See the wine poured. Is that real? Is it happening? That's how real my love for you is. That's how real your forgiveness, your salvation is. And then the Lord Jesus says, take the gospel in your hands. Now we say we receive it from the hand of the minister because back in the time of the catechism, they would, they would all come lining up and the minister would hand out one by one as the people walked by. We receive it from the hand of the elders who are also ministers and pastors of the church. And the Lord says, take that gospel in your hands. And taste the gospel with your mouth. Now that bread is just bread. And that wine is just wine. There's nothing magic. There's no power in these things. But as you eat and drink, my love and my life and my grace and my glory are poured into your life, into your soul. That's what happened this morning. The Lord Jesus nourished us. He nourished our hungry and thirsty souls with himself. The more we understand the supper, what's really happening, the more we long for it, the more we hunger and thirst for it, because we want more. We want more Christ We want more life. We want more love. We want more grace. Believer, do you long? Do you long for the supper? Children, do you long? You long for Christ? Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? As you learn your catechism, From week to week, you learn to know the Lord Jesus Christ more and more. And as you learn more about him, you learn to love him more and more. As you you discover who he is and what he has done. And may the Holy Spirit, children, may the Holy Spirit work in you a deep desire and eager longing for the day when you will stand up in front of the church and you will profess your faith and you will participate in the supper. Something to long for. You see, the more that we are nourished with Christ, the more our hearts and our lives and our marriages and our families will light up with his grace and his power and his love. Is that happening? Your family, your friends, your brothers and sisters, your neighbors, your co-workers, are they seeing 
Christ in you? You see, if Christ is pouring himself into your life, people are going to notice. His life will blaze in you more and more. It will light up the darkness in the world around you. So the more we're nourished with Christ, the more we shine and draw others from the darkness to the light. And then the more we drink in Christ, the more he embraces us in the gospel preached and the gospel made visible in the sacraments, the more we are driven to worship. The more we want to just praise him. The more he feeds our souls with himself. The more we say, you holy lamb of God, we bless O Savior, you have ransomed us. Hence we will honor and adore you and cast in gratitude before you the crowns by grace bestowed on us. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.